Fantastic. Can we put our hands together again for those creative team? What a great job they just did. I'm just going to pray as we get into the morning. Lord, we pray that prayer, God, that we would not be shaken, God, as a people and as a church, God, as, as we face and as we look toward the future. God, fill our heart, Lord, with hope, God. Fill our heart with that sort of resolve that we would move on, Lord. And uh, God, that you would take us forward into the things that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to read from the book of Nehemiah to kick us off. So if you want to uh, follow on in a Bible, it's Nehemiah chapter 1, right at the beginning. I'm going to start right there. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. And here's the part that stands out to me. They said, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And Nehemiah says this, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. And I wonder for you if that has ever happened, whether something has just got inside of your skin, inside of you to that point where you've said, no more. It's not okay the way that I see things. Maybe you've even wept about those things. Now today we're talking about a future vision here today, but before we even get to that part, I think sometimes it's important to ask the question, why do we even need a vision? Nehemiah wept about the why. And for us as a church, it's a good place to start. Why do we need to go to this next step? What's so wrong? Why can't we just leave things the way that they are? See, Nehemiah birthed his vision out of something that he saw that was not right in his world. Now, our mayor, Paul Basali, is here this morning, and uh, you might think that what I'm about to say is a bit of a suck-up job, Um, and if you think that, you're actually correct, but um, I learned something about vision from our mayor. Uh, Honestly, going back... uh, I couldn't guess how long, maybe 15 years ago, maybe even more, 20 years ago, when Ipswich wasn't cool. I mean, at the moment, everybody loves Ipswich, right? Everyone's on the Ipswich bandwagon. We, we love it. Our mayor's asked to speak all around this nation, actually the world. But back then, it wasn't so cool. And one of the things I remember, at everything that I would go to where uh, Mayor Paul Basali would, would speak at, is he'd say this. He'd stand up and he'd say this, you know what's wrong about Ipswich? He said, he'd say, my kids come home to me and they say, Dad, you know, we can't live in Ipswich. There's no jobs here in Ipswich. It's a dull city. There's, there's nothing happening. There's nothing to do. And he'd stand there, honestly, and you guys, some of you would remember this, and he'd stand there and he'd say, that's not good enough. That's not happening on my watch. For, for I'm going to devote my life to making sure that Ipswich becomes a city where my kids can live. And by the way, that's the end of the suck job, all right? So just so you know. But for Nehemiah, 
He has the same sort of principle here. For Nehemiah, he understands that the walls of Jerusalem have come down and it's not good enough. And I pray, honestly pray, that for us as a church, we would be that same, have that same sort of passion as we move forward into the vision that we have. For Nehemiah, he sat down and wept and there's got to be, church, there's got to be some things that really get inside of us, that get inside our heart and our mind and our skin as we move forward because these things drive us on. And as we start today, before I get to the good stuff, I just want to talk about some of the things that keep me awake at night, that, that make me weep and I hope make you weep as well. And I'll start with maybe what is the biggest one and, uh, and is so important as we move forward and it's this one. We've got broken walls as well. We've got broken gates as well. And, and this one really stands out to me. It's not a broken world, wall, but it's a broken world that we have. I don't know if you've noticed, but this world that we see when you open your eyes isn't all good. It's a little bit busted up. I see some great things out there in our world, but I see some things that are not right when I read my newspaper, when I watch the news, when I check the internet, when I see what's going on out there. I see that this world is not the way it should be. And this, we can't close our eyes to it. Nehemiah asked the question, what's going on? This has got to get inside of our own skin. Now, as I look out there, I'm, I'm obviously talking about the things that affect me, but I look a little bit beyond just Ipswich at first. I look, say, to our closest neighbour. I look at Papua New Guinea. This is our closest neighbour. I've been and uh, travelled to the slums in Papua New Guinea. And what I see are little children running around those slums. I see little kids without mums and dads or little kids in hopeless situations that are suffering and they're a plane trip away. They're the same time zone. You can leave at lunch and be there by afternoon tea. And it's not good enough that we live in a world where these little kids are suffering with no education and no health care. And it's something that is on the heart of our church. And then I look at India and you'll see the photo on the screen there. And I, and I think about the northern parts of, of India. I've been there as well. You know, in that northern part of India, they don't know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's incredible persecution that comes against them. You know, the caste system there uh, oppresses them, leaves them in poverty. And I have had pastors literally come and beg me to say, please, would you send people, which we've done just recently, would you send resources, would you send us material, would you, would you teach us how to be people that can express the love of God in this world. These things have got to break our heart. These things have got to drive us on. And then when I look closer to home here in Ipswich, again, we've got a great city and we live in a beautiful nation. But again, you just open your eyes and you see all sorts of things that aren't exactly right. I see single mums that need guidance and care in our own city. I see marriages with no love. I see young people contemplating ending their life because they have no hope. I see people battling mental illness issues and they're isolated. I see dads suffering with addictions that are slowly suffocating their families. And there's young people out there, there's young families that are crippled with debt. And my answer to that is that the church which is God's hope for this world, is at the epicenter of everything we can do to reach out 
to those families. But here's what breaks my heart as much as anything. You've heard me say it here before. In Ipswich, there's at least, at least 160,000 people who every single week see the church as irrelevant, see the church as meaning nothing to the answers that they seek in life. And this has got to break our heart. It's a broken wall that we have here in Ipswich. And, and how do I know that? Because they're not here this morning, that 160,000. They're not at Ipswich Baptist and they're not at City Hope or any of the other good churches around Ipswich. You see, church is irrelevant. And this has got to get inside of us. It's got to make us weep. It's got to be the thing that drives us on to say, we've got to do something about that because Nehemiah ultimately said, we've got to change things. What else do I know? I know that this also affects us as individuals and I'll say this, we must grow. We must grow. Here's a broken wall that affects us as people. You know, while our mission is to change the world, and it absolutely is, the heart of any church is, is two things, discipleship and mission. You know, and our name is Catalyst, which means we want to go, we want to take the, the world, we want to change things. But at the same time, you know, God wants to work in us. God wants to change us. He wants to do more in us than he'll do through us. And I see brilliant things in this church. I see great people working hard, but I also see examples in this church where we're sort of indifferent about God's heart for this world and about our responsibility to allow God to work in us. I see a few of us looking to the gods of money, the gods of comfort, the gods of power as the answer to the future. And I'll say something, these gods fail you in the end. We can do better. As we journey this next five weeks, we get a chance to grow ourselves. How? Because when you get behind a vision, as you realign your life with the purposes of God, you grow. You cannot help but grow. If you look at yourself and say, I'm not moving along, I'm not growing, I'd say this to you, be a part of a vision. Be a part of God's vision in this earth and you will grow. Corey Turner talked about this last week and uh, I thought it was a prophetic message for our church but he sort of talked about the fact that over here we're in the wilderness and and it's our turn as a church and he said this to our church it's, it's your turn to walk into the land that God's got for you that promised land that that rich land but it does require something it requires us moving on Bill Hybels who is here next week so Looking forward to having Pastor Bill Hybels with us. He says this, it's a good thing for believers to have to take all of their resources and re-surrender them to God every once in a while. This is so important. And I've got to be honest, I'm just sort of reading the mail, I guess, to our church. But for us as a church, our giving to this aspect of our vision, our giving to what's going on out there in the world, our giving to what's happening here in our own nation, to the things that we're doing is indifferent, it's stagnant, it, it's sitting sort of on a steady line when we should be growing it. When we look at our own stats, we have something like uh, only 30% of us are engaging in giving to the mission and the vision that God's got for our city and our world. And I'd say again, it's a broken wall. We can do better as a church with what God has given us. We live in an incredibly wealthy country, we can do better. And here's the final one that I'm going to share here on all of this. 
I'll say it like this, and, and this is a little bit closer to home. It's a little bit more like a broken wall. But we have prime space that is underutilized and unexcellent. And before you shoot me down, I know unexcellent is an unexcellent word, all right? Unexcellent is a good example of unexcellence. But I'm sticking with it because I think it expresses our heart. You know, God has given us something here. This campus is amazing. So many people drive past it, but when they walk onto this campus, they're, they're amazed at how we've turned it into what we've done. But I tell you what, we can do better. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but at your house, uh, you can do this all the time. You can walk past something for years and years and years and you just get used to it, right? Like maybe it's the the 70s uh, wallpaper that my in-laws have finally removed from their house. And they did it about three weeks ago, so I can actually use that joke now because they've moved on. Or maybe it's the, the toilet door that doesn't quite close. I don't know if anybody's got that happening. I don't know what it is in your house, but, but it, for us as a church, just lately we've started to walk past and just walk through our complex and we've started to understand that our best space, our, our prime space is not used how it's supposed to be used. God is calling us to, to use it better, to use what we have better, to not stay with what we've got. We've got pictures here. If I look at this area, this is the heart. This is the center. And if you stay on this picture for a second, this is the center of our campus. If, I, I like to say it like this. If our campus was a monopoly board, that's Mayfair right there. That's Mayfair. And you know who lives in Mayfair? Nat Cochran lives in Mayfair. Now, Nat Cochran looks after all of our, our maintenance and our mowers and, and doing the grounds, and he's doing a great job. But my vision for this church is to get Nat off Mayfair. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's have a look at Park Lane right next to it. This is central. This is central in our church. This is the heart of our church, and currently we're using it for mowers and storage at the moment. You know, we can do better with what God has given us. We have a mandate to not just keep walking past these things, but to begin to use them better in the way that God's given us. Let's keep, keep having a look at some of the things we've got. Of course, our car park, we can do better. You might notice not many people were at church that day as well. You see what happens? We can sort our car park out. Let's keep moving. I think we've got a picture there. Now, look at that flashy toilet block out the back there. Now, do you need toilets to be able to connect with God? Actually, maybe you do, but maybe you don't. But the point is we can do better with what God has given us. And there's a glimpse inside. I'm just rubbing this home, bramming this home. We had a lady just recently, a visitor to our church, true story, just a couple of weeks ago. Can I use the bathroom? Can I use the bathroom? Somebody said, yeah, sure, it's just out there. She said, I think I'll wait till I go home. That was her honest, her honest answer. We can do better with what God has given us. And I'll tell you something, that's no disrespecter of the people of the past, but, but we've done well already with the things that we've got. It's time for us to move on. And by the way, this is my effort at Photoshop here. Don't say that we're not good at the graphic arts here. But I think the buildings are screaming to us, use me better. And these are three things, and, and I know they're very different things, but they get under my skin. They say to me, we can do better with what God has got. These are broken walls, broken gates that we have in our own church. Now, 
I'm going to get on now and talk about the vision and, and our heart for this church. And as I do that, I'm going to ask Jess to, to come on up and uh, Jess is going to sort of help me walk through this section of the message. We want to restore our world. That is our vision for this church. And it's a massive vision and I love that it's a massive vision because it means we've got to put our heart and our soul into trusting a massive God. But our vision ultimately is to restore the world. You've seen it on the brochures that you've got there. Our vision is to see this world restored to where it's supposed to be. I'll tell you this though, it won't be easy and I'm just going to touch on this. But for Nehemiah, you listen to what he went through. It says, the enemies of the day laid down a challenge to the people of that day, Nehemiah's people. What are those feeble Jews doing? That's us that's talking about. Will they restore their wall? Can they bring those stones back to life from the heap of rubble that they are, burned as they are? You know, honestly, I read that and my, st- my spirit gets stirred. It stirs me up because I'm, I'll be honest, we have those same voices, those same accusations coming to us. As, as you've sat here today and you start thinking about the world and the sense of your own growth and, and, and our infrastructure, you've already probably some had the voices say to you, who are we to think we can change anything? But I'll tell you something, God's heart is for the church to be a restoring church. God's heart, God's mission for this whole world is for this for this world to be restored and it's through something and it's called the local church. Yeah. God's, God's heart is for the church to be a place that restores relationships and families, this whole world to its rightful place and it's the church and it should be a big vision that we have and it is a big vision that we have because this church is the epicenter of what God is asking us to do. It begins here, right here in Ipswich for us in this church, this local church catalyst for God to change the world. So Jess, why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Well, very importantly, we need to just remember that this is not just a capital campaign that we're talking about this morning. This is a vision that we're talking about, a vision campaign. We are absolutely invested into our mission opportunities, our obligations, the things that we are investing in overseas and as well as locally. It's, the buildings are a part of it, but it is not what is the, at the crux of our heart for this world. And important to note is that we're going to talk a little bit more about target goals and all sorts of things in a minute, but at our target goal level for what we want and what we need for this um, campaign, we will be giving more to our FAR and our local missions than we will to our campus redevelopment. So we are invested in um, the partnerships that we have across the world and committed to our vision, not just locally, but across the world. And as the GO team leader, I have a particular interest in making sure that those needs continue to get met. And I also see I see the finances that we have and I also see the needs and the requests for needs, for, yeah. for funding that we get constantly, that we have to say no to. And it's okay to say no to some things, but it's also fabulous when we can say, yeah, you know what, we can invest into that or we can invest more That's into good. that ministry opportunity. And we are committed to making sure that we can continue to do that. Because of your giving, lives will change, Great. both locally yeah. and internationally. Yeah. We are all a part of restoring the walls. That's good here in, uh, as part of this mission, as part of the vision of Catalyst. You, re- you, re- you rebuild the wall when you give. Now, I talked a little bit about, I said, you know, far and near and whatever else. We, uh, we've kind of changed the wording a little bit to how we um, encompass our mission enterprises at the moment. You'll see it in the brochure. On your chair, you'll see it in the AV. So we're going to talk a bit about our missions in terms of what is far, what is near, 
and what is here. And when we talk about far, we mean things like Papua New Guinea um, and India. We've got um, partnerships with Compassion in Ethiopia, Operation Christmas Child, which goes abroad. We have a whole lot of things we're doing around the world. Near is more like Australia and our world, our local community, the mission enterprises that we're involved in more locally. And then here is our campus and the redevelopment that we're going to see here on this property. So we've got a great AV that we're going to look at that explains our heart a little bit further for the far and the near. opportunity to begin involvement with the Gateway Children's Fund in Papua New Guinea. This is a ministry that brings hope, education, healthcare, life change, the gospel to kids in the slum areas of Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea. This is an area which really hasn't been touched today. It's a very difficult area and we've got the opportunity to go over and see what's being done over there, to build into that community, to see kids' lives being changed, for those kids to go back into their families where they will also take the good news of the gospel and see the families being restored in that area. We're partnering with the Gateway Church from Melbourne with Pastor Rick Painter, who's been involved in this ministry for many years, and we're really excited to see what can happen into the future with our closest neighbour, to see kids being raised up out of poverty, being educated and going into the world and changing their nation for Jesus. Catalyst Church has had the privilege of working with M Park Ministries for the last five years. Headed by Josie Chaco, this organisation is a fantastic one with the dream to change Northern India. Our finances, our support, our team trips over there help to transform the lives of individuals in the northern regions of India. Transformational centres are built so that pastors can come and learn what it means to be a pastor and they go into unreached and oppressed villages of northern India to plant churches and bring the hope of Christ into that nation. I've seen firsthand in India how this ministry is affecting the local community. Sewing centres are set up so that they can equip local women with trades to transform not only their families but communities. Orphanages, homes are set up in the transformational centres to give children a loving environment where they can learn about what it is to be a family and learn about the love of Jesus. And then these pastors are equipped, are encouraged, are blessed to go into their communities and face persecution on almost a daily basis. But they do it to bring the love of Jesus to people who would not otherwise know. Our partnership with this great ministry will go on into the future to see thousands, millions more people touched for the love of Christ. And then in Ethiopia, we're blessed to have a church partnership over there with Compassion and hundreds of children are sponsored by individuals and families within this church. We're excited that we can be involved with the lives of these families and bring a difference, again, for the advancement of God's kingdom into this country. Because of your giving and generosity, I believe we will continue to see lives changed far across this earth. So let's talk about NIA. We're involved in a multitude of national and local ministry which enables us in a powerful way to impact our kingdom. 
Firstly, ministries such as Vital Projects are literally changing our world. Through the empowerment of local chaplains to teach kingdom values, young people's lives are being turned around. By the way, this ministry is spreading and influencing the whole world. And then we have the booming CRI network, which is empowering teachers to love children and help those same children experience the love of Jesus. I think sometimes we underestimate what this ministry is doing. Do you know that hundreds, actually thousands of young children are experiencing the love of Christ because this church stood up and made a great investment? Let's be honest, an overwhelming problem in our Western world is debt. It's crippling and it destroys families. Did you know that Cap Debt Center's motto is actually to release people from debt? In the last year alone, multitudes of people have been helped as our workers have gone into homes and been the hands and feet of Jesus and released people from debt and given them a future. And going back to the top, we have the local church, the hope of the world. We're so privileged to be a part of HOA, our movement. They're all about equipping and coaching local church pastors and leaders so that they too can then go on and make a massive difference in the lives of people and churches all across this nation. Alright, so I really hope you're hearing us there that our vision extends to the far reaches of the world and it also of course includes Australia here and the things that we're doing right here at home. But our vision, of course, extends to the here, right here. And we want to talk about that for a bit now. Uh, Here's an important point. Our church is more than a Sunday service. That our church is more than just a Sunday service. This is something this church gets. We've been on this journey for a long time now. Uh, In more recent years, we're we're sponsoring Park to Park and and, and being in our community for the Park to Park run. Uh, We're involved in Clean Up Australia Day, uh, all sorts of things. We're in the schools, cap money, honestly too much to talk about. And so as we have our vision of being a unique church, not the same church as everybody else, just what God is asking us to do, a unique church that's provoking lasting change by sharing compassion and hope. We've got to stick to the thing that God has asked us to be, and that is a church that's willing to do things differently so that we reach people. And one of the things I loved, and Ron Surtees uh, pointed this out, he, he simply said, you know, so often when a church does a building campaign, it's about the auditorium, and it's about the lights, and it's about the things that we see in here. Now, that's not a bad thing, but we're so blessed, so incredibly blessed that through your weekly giving, we have what we have here in this auditorium, and we can continue to use that. Everything that we'll be giving to will be about our community. It'll be about touching the hearts of people that are out there in our world and and expanding the gospel in, in the way that God is giving us. So another part of our vision is that excellence honours God and inspires people. And this is a long-held value here at Catalyst. If you've been around for any amount of time, you will have heard us talk about this. Excellence honours God and it's a huge part of who we are. And, you know, I think it's amazing really what happens when you provide a place which people love, which inspires them, which really shows a bit of the heart of God, who is an excellent God, who is a creative God. When you have a creative um, place that with things done well, I think you start to see amazing things happen, and this has certainly happened in the past. So I've just got one story about this, and it's actually about this stage here. Um, I remember going back, now it's probably going back at least 
20 years, uh, maybe even a little bit more. But I remember when my father, who had a vision that church could be creative and church could be different, he had a vision uh, to change this auditorium going back then. Now, in those days, we had this little stage, and it was a small stage. And uh, he had this idea that we would turn this stage into a creative um, a creative stage, a stage where the arts could be used, a theatre auditorium. And I remember, and I think I was standing somewhere around here by my memory, and I was probably at, you know, yet another working bee as a 17-year-old, and I remember uh, looking at this stage and thinking, what's wrong, not this one, but the one we have, what's wrong with the stage that we have? It does the job. It's all right, because at 17, you know everything, by the way, in case you're, in case you're wondering. But it, there's nothing wrong with it. And I remember coming to these working bees, and we would work and we would create. And here's something that I learned. And honestly, I learned an important lesson. Was what I saw happen was this stage got built, and nearly immediately, creative people started coming into mm. this church. We saw people catching a heart for for. The fact that God could use the arts in an incredible way. If you've travelled any sort of journey in this church, you will have seen year in and year out creativity done and excellence done and inspiration done. We suddenly saw a flight deck appear at the back and lights and media. And what it it told me is that when we do something well, it will start to catch in the hearts of people. And I think this is a part of what we want to do even for our own campus here. I've been amazed at some of the people that have already, because we've, we've sort of put out a few sneak previews to people and people have said, and, and come to me and said, I've got to be a part of that and it's catching in the hearts of people. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we keep going. And I'm keeping on going. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about the fact that uh, we want to make it easier for people to connect with God. That's a part of the vision here of this church. It's always been a part of our vision uh, is that if someone's going to make a first step or maybe it's a step on their journey and they make a step about walking into this campus, we will make it easy for them to connect with God. James, in the book of Acts, he says, let's not make it difficult for those that are turning to God. And, and the context of all of that was the fact that the people in that church had rituals and means and ways of doing things. And he was saying, we better make it easy. We better get rid of all of the stuff that we're used to and be sharp so that when people are turning to God, that they will find it okay and easy to be able to turn to God. You know what? It's hard enough as it is for people to make their way into a church. We already know that. Uh, you guys know that. We've talked about that. Aussies have a suspicion about churches these days. Let's not make it hard. Just to make it personal, I want you to imagine maybe your friend or your neighbor or your relative, your mom, your dad, your child, that person that you've been reaching out to, imagine the first time they walk down our driveway and, they, and their sense, imagine if their sense is I don't know where to go or it feels cold, it feels sterile, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't sense any warmth or any love here in this place. Now, again, are buildings everything? No, but buildings start to show something about the people that live there. They, they express something of God's love to people. And our heart is to make this place a place where people can easily connect in with God. And we will do everything in our power to do that. Now, I just want to address one quick thing, sort of take a sidestep for a minute. One question that gets raised sometimes along this is, 
oh, we're, we're just making church a comfortable place? Are we just making it a materialistic sort of church? Are we just catering to the needs of people? Well, I'll say this. I think we make it as easy as possible for that first step or that second step, that entering into a community of faith. But you guys know who Catalyst is. We're not a church that says, hey, just take it easy. We're a church that's always about walking people along a journey. We're always about challenging each other to go to the next level. And if I'm real honest, the proof of that is today because there's some people sitting here today going, I don't know about this money thing. I don't know about contributing financially to something. I don't mind coming to church and hearing some good stuff, but I don't know, I don't know about that next step. And, and it's not the heart of our church, never has been, to leave people mm. where they're at. That's good. That's All good. right. So more about this here vision. We are investing into our future generations. We love our youth, we love our kids, and we want to make places and spaces that they can grow into that they can use now and into the future and part of we're going to get into the nitty-gritty soon but part of the redevelopment will be um, some good-sized meeting rooms and these rooms are going to be great space for our youth and our kids and they're already fighting it out over them Betsy and Tim it's horrible in the office actually at the moment horrible honestly I went I actually went to youth on Friday night and they've already named it the youth hall and again (laughs) you'll have to uh, take that up with Betsy but you really got to get it there are meeting rooms that are going to be a lot more freer to be dedicated yeah, to our good. younger generations, which and is Betsy's exciting. fighting back. She, her kids have got um, future glasses. You'll probably start seeing them soon. The kids at KidsWords are going to start wearing future glasses. They're going to walk around the campus yep. with their future glasses so they can see how things are going to be different and, and, and what it's going to be like for them yep. into the future, which I love. I love. The other thing is part of the redevelopment of the cafe and um, that area will be a playground, fenced, safe, for our children. So there's yeah. no cars. Like they're not playing in the car park like they currently are. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? So um, fenced. I don't know why other churches don't think of this. Um, but a, um, a fenced area with a playground so that we can sit and have a coffee. Very important. But our kids are safe and they're playing and they're having a good time, which also obviously can be utilised yeah. for kids' splits. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the heart of it is just think about what will be birthed out of that next generation. We are investing in the future. Our heart is for the future. I am so glad that somebody believed in, in me 20 yeah. years ago as a snotty 17-year-old that, that didn't get the vision. But somebody invested in me. Somebody paid for this stage and this auditorium. Yeah. And for many of us here, and, and well, for all of us, we need to continue to sow into the future generations that will be in this church because, again, this church is God's hope for the world. Good. So, we've covered it all. Okay, well, you'll be asking, what's it going to look like? Well, we're going to just play now an AV fly-through, which starts to explain that, and we might stay up here or mm-hmm. walk to the side. Mm-hmm.
Chicken, pretty good, huh? And, and notice there's a few more people at church that day as well. So praising the Lord. We, we still need a few more. We still need a few more there. But honestly, just to talk you through what we're excited about, and we've got some pictures here. One of the things I loved is Kemi. Uh, I've been doing some, just some sessions with our leaders and some of our core looking at the future. And Kemi uh, uh, said to me, my oldest, she said, Dad, you've got to show them the, the old before you show them the new. So again, this is what the old is. And it will turn into this, which is our campus heart. This is, this is the new area. And I love the thought behind this is that we have a heart as a church. The thought is that we don't park cars behind yeah. the back. That now we utilize our car parks better. We use only the front and people enter through one direction. So that means that we can have all sorts of activity hub, vibe, all happening in the center and people can immediately get a sense of who we are as a community. They start to catch a hold of it. We'll have maybe a connect desk, an info desk out the front, right yep. out the front, outside, so that people walk up, they immediately can know where the kids go, they can know where they go, they know where the cafe, cafe is. It makes it a lot more welcoming yep. and um, approachable. Yeah, and then we look at this area here. So this is uh, Mayfair, don't forget. This is where Nat lives. And we want to move Nat on and we want to turn it into a, into a cafe. And of course, yep. there's so many cool ideas starting to yeah. get birthed about what this cafe could be about. One of the greatest ones. And this is a, really a vision that's come again from us as a church. So many years have gone into the thinking here. But this could be open uh, during the week. It's not just about a Sunday, but we serve our community by allowing community groups to come and be a part of that. You're talking about Cheryl and... Uh, I went to a planning meeting with um, Councillor Bromage a little while ago and she was talking about this area and how there's a stack of community groups that need to get together but there's no community space on this side of town. Right. She said, there's a whole lot of churches but there's no community space. Right. And I just sat there going, I don't think that sounds right. Yeah. We need to be a space that, yep, is a church but it's a community space. That's right. Why can't we be that? Yeah. Plus, we're going to have great coffee. We already do. Yes. Um, we have Vada coffee, um, which all proceeds from Vada coffee already go to PNG. And so it's going to be a cafe with Babo coffee on this side of town. Yeah, very good. Uh, pushing on from that, I, I got led off and I was encouraged by Peter and Linda Tully. We're going to have a video interview with them in a few weeks. But they were the first to grab a hold of the vision and they said, we can put disability support groups in that area. And yeah. since then, I've had other people, I've had people honestly getting emotional about what they see and how they see this can minister to people. Community groups, hobby groups, um, mainly music meet on our mm. campus here. We have 30 or 40 mums that come in uh, very regularly. Well, they could uh, meet and say one of the meeting rooms and then go immediately to a coffee. Yeah, fitness groups that come already. That's like, right. Coffee after. Now, is this the whole step? Is this the whole vision? Of course not, but it's one more um, brick out of the wall. It's one more uh, barrier taken away for people to be able to yeah. find their way into a church when they say, hey, that church is not too bad. I've been there. In fact, we had the great privilege just the other day of bumping into one of our neighbours. We're having a chat and she comes to a fitness group mm. here. And so we could start to have that, that mm. conversation. Yep. So fantastic. Um, We've already talked about the playground. You see the picture on the screen there. Um, that'll be fantastic in itself. Of course, the car parks. I, I've said it like this, and it might help you understand it again. We don't need a car park to be able to worship God, but I know this. If I was driving through a town, 
and I wanted to go to a shopping centre, I would drive past a shopping centre that didn't have a car park. I just would do that. That's just the world that we live in. Mm. So why can't we be better here in the church? Why can't we as a church offer better than what we see that's out there? And toilets that aren't outside, that are inside, that don't have snakes or frogs and you don't get wet when it's raining. There you go. Fabulous. And you know what? This was not on the original plan because the plan was done by boys. But when the girls came along, we said those toilets have to go. Very good. That's true. That's very true. We've talked about meeting rooms and how the, the kitchen will serve both sides now into the future. So think the current cafe, that will be uh, meeting rooms, maybe a smaller chapel on the, the side closer to the church here. All sorts of possibilities into the future. Mm. Bottom line is our mission is to connect with God, grow in a group, serve and go into the world. Well, it will help us connect people with God. It'll help us grow people through discipleship. And there's a, uh, we've talked about groups that can meet here. Uh, it'll help us serve people with better facilities and infrastructure. And it will, again, help us equip people to go out into the world. So definitely excited about that. Here's some roadblocks that have been raised, and I think they're worth touching on. This is a really good question, this first one. Great question. Shouldn't we be just giving the money to the poor? Shouldn't we just be giving to the money for the poor? Shouldn't we just be taking up an offering and giving it out there to the poor? And I just simply say this, you know, as we build our infrastructure, as we grow as a church, and forget our vision is also about what we have here as a church, but as we grow as a church, I genuinely believe we'll do more out there in the world and we'll ultimately be able to give more out there into the world. Carl's talked a little bit um, over the past few weeks and then in Esau's about how the local church is a tree. You know, it's a tree and, and we need to be well watered, we need to be nourished, we need to be strong and healthy. When a tree is That's like right. that, it will produce fruit. There, it actually might be some pruning at times, some tough times, but when it is healthy, it will produce more fruit. We need to be a healthy church. Josie uh, Chaco, who you saw on the screens there, he's a guy that has given his whole life to reaching into northern India and people that, are, that know poverty and know what poverty is. And I was wrestling with this question because I think it's a question we should ask. I said, Josie, you know, is it right that our church does collect money and that we run buildings and we have auditoriums and whatnot? And I really expected that perhaps Josie would say, yeah, you know what, just, just give it all to Empire, just, mm. just give it all to us. And he surprised me with his answer. He said, Carl... God has called your church to be the sort of church you are. In fact, I think he used the word unique. You are a unique church. Uh, just do what God has asked you to do. You're a sending out church. You're an equipping church. You're going to be able to do things that other churches can't. And we had a very interesting end to that story because I found that so encouraging. But we've, through the facilities and the strengths that we have, have been doing audio visuals for Empire, And Ron Surdes has been doing that. Now, about a year ago, we've been doing this for a couple of years now, about a year ago, Josie emailed us and said, I just want to let you know, Catalyst, that because you've been sewing into our ministry and making audio visuals, he said, I, I uh, estimate that Empart has had about one extra, one million dollars extra come into the work of Empart. Yeah. Because you guys were willing to do promotional audio visuals yeah. uh, that have been shown all around the world. And I think to me, it gave, a, it gave me a great insight into the fact that we're called to be this sort of church in this sort of way. We're not a Hillsong, we're not a house church, neither of them are wrong. We're what God has asked us to be here in this world. 
Another roadblock that has come up is um, potentially fear, uh, maybe fear of stepping out. And, and this, is, this is understandable, um, but I think this goes back to the point that we must grow. And God has not given us a spirit of timidity right. or fear, but one of power, his power. And whenever you have a vision for yourself, whenever God gives you a vision for yourself, it's, it's never just a walk in a park. There always is a step. There always is a bit of fear involved, but that's where courage comes in. And God gives us that courage that we can take that step, step out and um, achieve what he has for us. So name it. If, if there's a bit of a fear for you in all this, or for us as a church, we need to name it. Right. We need to stare it down. We need to give it to God and say, okay, here it is, Lord, it's yours, but I'm going to take a step in faith and in courage, knowing that you are going to show up and in Nehemiah, Carl has shared that, you know, Nehemiah prayed to the God of heaven. He acted, and as he acted, yeah, God good. came on board. You know, God showed up, and Nehemiah and the Israelites' faith rose, and they went on to rebuild the walls. Yeah. This places our trust in a great God. Um, another thing that has said is that times are tough financially, and that is true. Times are tough, but money can, is, can always be a concern any time. Um, but again, it's another chance for our God to shine through. Yeah. We can give the glory all to him. Yep. 2 Corinthians, I love these verses, 2 Corinthians 8 verses 2 to 3, Paul is talking to uh, a church about another church and he says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, right. for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And that verse speaks to this final question, isn't my part too small? Just hear us on this, it's equal sacrifice, not equal giving, that is just a given. There's going to be some that are able to give financially a lot, some that will give a smaller amount. What we are saying is let's just sacrifice together, let's, let's do what God is asking you to do. You begin your journey and uh, we'll pull this, pull this off. You know, my heart would be, we would double at mm. least or triple the amount yeah. of people that are engaging in our vision and our mission. That's good. So, to just take us through the very next section here, I'm going to ask Michael List uh, to come up onto the stage. Michael is on our board. Michael is also chaired. We've had a campaign uh, steering committee for the last couple of months, and Michael has chaired that. And uh, he's just got a, great, a few great things to say, which will help in the whole process. All right. Good morning, everyone. Fantastic. Hey, Carl, just firstly, what year were you born? How old are you? How old were you 20 years ago? 20. Right. I don't know if anyone was listening, but twice he made reference to being 17, 20 years ago, so just couldn't let that one pass. Look, this has been a fantastic vision that we're on here, and I've been really pleased to be part of it. Um, and there's just a few key points I really want to just, just speak about today, which I think is really important as we embark on something that is, that is new, probably. It's not new in the sense it's part of our vision, but it's a new sort of campaign that we're doing. But the first point I want to raise is that, you know, you can trust the leadership of this church. For me, I come to know this church some 10 years ago. I've only been coming here with my family for the last seven and a half years, but I got to know the church 10 years ago and I got hold of the vision back then. So my first meeting with this church was as a banker. I came here to meet with Pastor Philip, Pastor Mandy and Pastor Larry. I believe with a set of documentation station for a loan for $500,000. So the church had taken out a loan to invest back into this campus. So back then they didn't go to the church to raise the capital, they, they raised it. And I came and got to know them. You know, I really got a hold of their heart for this place, got taken around the campus that was here then and there's been changes since, certainly with the administration side. But what was really true to me was 
was the vision and, and the heart these guys had for this city, for church, and just for the people that were here. So it was very easy for me to transition and come into this church a few years later. But something that really stands out about the leadership of this church is the, um, the, the people that are involved and how long they've been involved. Although Pastor Phillips stepped down as a senior pastor and he's involved with A2A nationally, he's still very much part of this church, as we all know. Um, he still um, provides guidance to the, the, the board of this church and gives us advice and, he, and he's there. Other people involved with the board have been around for a long time. You know, even, well not even, I shouldn't say, but, but Pastor Carl, as, as our lead pastor, I mean, Carl's been part of this vision since he was a teenager. Since he was 17, he was part of this vision. You know, to see him here now as our lead pastor, you know, he's continuing it on, you know, and it's, you can just see that the heart of Carl and, and the leadership that he brings to this church, it's, um, it is a really strong leadership that we have here. So I believe that um, you can trust the leadership of the church. Another point around that for, for me personally, I, I sit on several boards around the city and a lot of not-for-profit and community group type things, and I've chaired other boards as well. And, and for me, this is the most efficient board that I sit on, and that's, that's just the truth of it. You know, we, we discuss a lot of things. There's a lot of legal and governance requirements with a board. You know, we're a, we're a company as well as a church. You know, we have a le- lot of legal responsibilities, and, and they manage very, very well. You know, it's a good, efficient board, and we certainly get things done. I sit on some other boards, and we go around in circles, and we don't seem to achieve a great deal. But here at Catalyst Church, we certainly get things done, and we have a very strong financial position as a church. As a banker, I get to see a lot of financials for different businesses and several churches I've seen financials for as well. And this is one of the strongest set of financials, very strong balance sheet so that I've seen from any church that I've been associated with. So that in itself is stems from the leadership of this church and the stewardship. So first point. My second point I want to talk about is that God has brought us this far. You know, he's brought us to this point. So we've heard in the past, and it hasn't been mentioned today, that, that Pastor Philip saw a block of land, which way am I looking? This way. Yeah, a block of land for sale some years ago. $160,000. And it fitted within our vision of what we wanted to achieve. Come to church that Sunday, standing here, he mentioned that block of land, $160,000. Before he left that Sunday, $160,000 had been pledged and donated. The money was raised that Sunday to be able to buy that block of land. We all see now, it's all developed. There's... Um, street there, blocks are sold, it's all happening, it's all part of that vision, that all was part of that vision. So God enabled that to happen, he's now enabled that development to happen. So um, you know, we're in a position now too, as a church we've got the ministries, you know, we're involved with cat money, we're involved with the um, RI, um, vital projects, all these groups that we're associated with can use this campus, they can do things here with the meeting rooms and the like. Um, you know, he's always provided for us with all the things that we've been doing. So there's no reason why now this just doesn't continue to, um, to go forth. Um, it, the, the point with that too, we're talking about the vision of the church. You know, everything that we're doing, that we're realising with this campus is totally in line with the vision of our church. You know, being unique, provoking change and meeting the needs of our community. The final point I want to touch on is, is why now? You know, why do we do this now? I've heard it said that we could have sat on that block of land longer because we're worth more money down the track. You know, why do it now? We can get more money later. 
you know, that, that for me and the board, you know, we've discussed these things. It's been a journey for a long time developing that land and organising development approvals and the like and considering all the options. And we do believe strongly that now is the time, you know. We, we've got to realise the potential at some point and some generation has to benefit from that and we really believe that now is the time it's been really strongly considered. And, and just with the timing on that, just to really give comfort about now is the time, there's a lot of planning with getting the development approval and all the bits and pieces associated with, with doing what we've done next door, a lot of back and forth with council. Um, but the actual part of doing the development itself, we toyed around with different ways of doing it. Do we totally do it ourselves as a church or do we find a joint venture partner? We, we decided we'd look at the option of a joint venture partner and from the first meeting it took two months to have the contract signed, sealed, set up in place, which is fantastic timing to achieve that and it's just gone so smoothly. As you can see, it's, it's done. You know, the, the road's there, blocks have been sold. There's people in this church that, are gonna, that have bought, bought blocks of land that are going to be living there, that'll be nice and close to church. Um, we've got money in the bank already from that. You know, there's blocks sold. There's only a, a few more sales that need to go through and settle for us to actually realise all the capital, the cash that we're going to achieve from that development. And it's a sizable amount of money, and Carl will touch on that a little later on, so I won't talk too much about that. Um, on that front too, about why now, you know, we've got the key people involved in the leadership of this church to enable this to happen. You know, Greg Smith, the operations manager of this church, yeah, he's been instrumental with, with dealing with council, the legal aspects, the joint venture partners. You know, Carl being our lead pastor right now, like I said before, he's been with this as a teenager the whole way through. So, you know, no one has this vision in their heart on this board more so than Carl probably. Um, so we've really got the right mix of people to achieve this and see it done. And also the key people in our church, you know, the leaders in this church that really have a heart for doing ministry with our campus. You know, our relationship with the city, you know, like Paul said before, myself and Carl, we went and saw him and we had a meeting about it and Paul was more passionate than us about us in the meeting about what, what, what this city could do with this campus. It was mentioned earlier about all the community groups around Brussels. Jess said that meeting with Cheryl Bromwich. You know, how exciting is that that we've got this campus here that can meet the needs for this greater community? So, you know, there's a need for that right now in this city, so, so now certainly the time. Um, that's pretty well mainly the stuff I wanted to share, but just two really quick final points. You know, I think we all need to really keep this in mind, that this Vision Builders campaign isn't just about those buildings over there. You know, we are committed as ever before to the greater mission that we're doing. In fact, we're looking to raise more money towards doing more missions. So it's not just about those buildings, but we do believe that by doing what we're doing on this campus, we can meet greater needs and we can actually achieve a whole lot more around this city. Um, and that's really that second point I wanted to touch on, is that campus. You know, we've got this campus here that, by and large, is being used great on a Sunday. You know, people hang around and we have community after church on a Sunday. We've got a fantastic auditorium. But realistically, through the week, it's a bit dormant. You know, there's some administration duties going on. Occasionally, bits and pieces are done. But by and large, it's, it's under, underutilised. So this is a great opportunity for us to really realise the potential of Cuddler's Church. That's it. All right, good job. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. How old are you, Michael, by the way? I was born in 1973 too, and I was 17, 20 oh, years yeah. ago as well. One of us has hair and one of us doesn't. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying any, anything else. I'm not making any statements by saying that. Okay, we're at the end. I just want to talk about the pointy end, the what now, what happens now. Look, 
church, catalyst church. You know, I believe if we focus together, if we sacrifice together, if we persevere together, if we're generous together, we can achieve this great vision that God has got for us. Nehemiah had a vision, but he acted on that vision. And uh, I am just impressed to be able to say, you know, and I felt this during the week, we have one chance, one life, really, where we get to use the resources that we have in a dramatic way. And uh, this, is, this is this chance. We get to change our world through that. So let's talk about that now. Remember, um, we've, as Michael has just said, we've got a great kickoff. So many churches do these sorts of campaigns and they're behind the eight ball. They're in debt and they're also get no head start. I'm here to say this morning that we get about $800,000 that will come in from the redevelopment. That will just be our kickstart. That will kick us off so that we can achieve the things that we want to do. We've got three goals. Remember, they'll be achieved over three years. So this is our, our, our long-term three-year goal that you'll be pledging for in a couple of weeks. Uh, don't forget, it's in addition to our, just our regular giving. So it is a challenge to us as a church. By the way, these aren't crazy goals. They're not sort of out there ridiculous. This has been a lot of prayer, a lot of effort, a lot of talking to people, and these are achievable goals. Basically, our target goal is our first level, level of goal. It's for $800,000, uh, and that's about $270,000 a year. Again, churches smaller than us have eaten those sort of goals. We can do that. That's over three years. To give you some perspective, last year we gave about one hundred and fifty. dollars dollars and that was on a fairly low year. We've had years where we've given $220,000 without having a, a, a real vision and a heart for something that we want to do, even particularly here on our own campus. Our victory goal, smack bang in the middle, I'd love us to achieve this, is $1 million. Uh, that's $335,000 a year and our miracle goal is $1.25 million. That is our miracle goal but we have faith for that. We believe that we can achieve that. What happens if we achieve these different levels? You'll see it on the screen. You'll also see it in these brochures. I encourage you to have a good look uh, through this because everything you see on the screen is in the brochure as well. Of course, uh, we'll get the cafe, the campus hut, a small sealed car park and painting uh, if we reach our basic target goal. If we reach our victory goal, we can do the toilets, we can do bigger car park and begin to give externally to mission in an increased way because don't forget we're not going backwards in what we do externally and then of course we reach that miracle goal we get the full sealed car park covered awnings the children's playground it's a bit of a carrot right there at the end but we want to see us reach that and of course 10 percent increase in our giving as well but really this is all up to us i'd encourage you be a champion, talk about it, talk it up, talk about the fears and the worries that you have, a, have with it. But giving can be a time of growth and a time where we can grow ourselves. I'd say give generously and sacrificially. You know, God honors that free will giving. It's not a pressure church. We've never been a church that's done that. But God honors us when we just say out of the goodness of our heart, this is what God's given me and I want to be able to give. We've got a picture on the screen of uh, a look at some of the pledge levels that are required. Again, this is worth having a look in your brochure app because it, it often surprises people. But we're hoping for at least 150 uh, giving units. That's not people, that's sort of families is another way to look at it that will get on board. And it gives you a picture that we need some to give a lot 
we need some to give in the middle and we need and a lot of people maybe young people to say hey I can take that bottom rung but we need each and every one of us to be involved and just wanted to say this to the church we're not going to say our amount but Jess and I of course have been praying and searching this one through for quite some time you know we'll we're not sort of from behind just saying go for it Uh, for Jess and I and our family we're rearranging our finances we'll be actually in the top a couple of percent when it comes to giving we'll be changing our life over the next few years to make sure that we're leading the way and that we're not just pushing from behind but you know obviously we need you we need this church to be a part of this vision Uh, we need us each and every one of us to go above and beyond what we've done before if we're going to reach the great vision that God has got for us how do we do that three quick thoughts and I think these are so helpful one just surrender all you have to God that's just a matter of putting it down on a piece of paper putting your assets down on a piece of paper and just for a moment saying I don't own that anyway it's God that owns that and it's amazing what you can see in front of you let that just rest in your own spirit it doesn't belong to you it belongs to him number two listen not always that easy, but listen to God. What's he prompting you? Is he stretching your faith? What's he saying? Talk, of course, with your spouse about this. And sometimes there's a little bit of talking that goes on in that process. And the final one is obey, because it's one thing to surrender. It's one thing to have you know, that, that sense of what God is saying. But there's a pledge Sunday where we need to actually act and have the courage to say, I'm going to stand by this, and, and this is what I'm pledging over these next three years and I think we can do it if we do that together I'd of course ask for your prayers in this time this is a a big time for our church and we'd love you to be prayerful as we walk through it and you know as we get to the end of it we'll celebrate together you know Nehemiah says in Nehemiah 4 6 he says so we rebuilt the wall I would have loved to have been around when Nehemiah rebuilt that wall, when, the, when the, that part of his world was restored. We will celebrate. We have a section in this brochure where you can actually draw how you could be involved. And I'd encourage you to do that. Maybe write some words, draw, whatever you like. But you know what? Beyond that, imagine it about people. Again, imagine your brother, sister, mother, child, whoever it might be, neighbor, workmate. Imagine them connecting here at this campus imagine them having their heart changed because God has touched them and in part it was because you sowed into them imagine some of the young people in this church in the next 10 and 15 20 years thriving because you poured resource into them that's when we'll celebrate I think that celebration will come when we see what we see but we'll celebrate as we see the fruit of what God has done not just here but as we think about our whole world together God can do it you know this church can do it and uh, I'm excited so excited about the weeks that lie ahead I just ask you to be a part of this whole journey if you can't be here for some reason make sure you grab a hold of the um, podcast that we do or the AVs that are on our website next week we have Pastor Bill Hybels with us Uh, The week after that, we have God stories where we're just talking about ourselves and we're having uh, people on stage to talk about uh, the the, the areas that they're excited about. After that, we have Pastor John Finkelder. He's going to challenge us in our giving. And on June the 1st, we'll have Pledge Sunday. And of course, that'll be a celebration as well as we say, this is what we're going to do together.
All right? So that is the heart of the vision. I'm just going to pray as we finish. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, God, that you place vision on the hearts of men and women. Lord, I thank you, God, that this church is a church that doesn't want to take a backward step, but that wants to move on into greater and better things. Lord, we pray for your challenge to sit on our hearts. God, we, we thank you, Lord, that uh, we understand that there's some fear and there could be some trepidation in front. But what great growth there is, Lord, if we take a hold of what you're asking us to do. Lord, challenge us into the future. And Lord, I thank you for the celebration and the lives that will be changed because of what you've done here in this place. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.